The following podcast is rated P due to brutal violence towards Saoirse Ronan's name and menacing robot dogs. Bitch, I'm a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to this podcast is Rated P. I'm Yates McConnell. I'm Brighton. And today we're talking about some big casting news from a Joker Oranges movie, the first trailer for Mary Queen of Scots, and uh, Brighton will be hating on the Mamma Mia franchise. That's not true. Just the sequel. Just the sequel. But let's go ahead and hop into pre-production. So the first piece of big news that we're talking about uh, that's come out in the last two weeks is something that Yates and I are both very intrigued about. It's the first poster and first photos from M. Night Shyamalan's movie Glass that's coming out in early 2019. Um, if anybody knows anything about Glass and the two movies that are, are sort of the predecessors for Glass, they should be pretty excited about this too. Um, essentially, it's going to be a sequel to Shyamalan's 2000 Unbreakable and 2016's split which i think is interesting it has characters from both of those movies um and the cast the cast list is great it returns bruce willis returns james mcavoy returns samuel l jackson returns anna taylor joy who is the girl the main girl in split she's also in the witch and thoroughbreds which i really want to see by the way um and then introduces sarah paulson who plays the psychiatrist treating the three main characters of bruce willis james mcavoy samuel l jackson Um, there's a lot that we can get. There's not that much that we get from the photos that we didn't know about the movie already. It shows the three of them in sort of the the, uh, psych ward getting interviewed by Paulson, this bright pink room, and all three of them sitting in different chairs with different colored jumpsuits or, yeah, jumpsuits on. And, um, yeah, it's more just the news and more stuff coming out about this movie that that makes us excited. Um, The synopsis is, for those who don't know, is fairly straight up. Following the conclusion of Split, Bruce Willis's character David Dunn is going after the super the superhuman figure of the Beast, played by McAvoy, in a series of escalating encounters. All the while, the shadowy figure of Jackson's Elijah Price emerges as an orchestrator who holds secrets critical to both men. Yates, you have not seen either of these movies. Yeah, correct. But what interests you about Glass and sort of this tying into a trilogy as a whole from Shyamalan? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the casting first and foremost interests me, you know, all the three um, main, you know, leads, Samuel Jackson, Chase McAvoy, Bruce Willis, obviously huge names. Um, Sarah Paulson also. Um, I think she's really interesting in a lot, in what she does, a lot of things she does. I'm excited to see her opposite of these um, three actors. And I also kind of am interested, a little trepidatious, I don't know, about the idea of taking those two movies that up to this like post credit scene in split are entirely unrelated and it's going to be interesting to see how Shyamalan ties them together um just really makes them part of the same universe when previously they didn't they, the, the connection isn't clear and it's not obvious um and I think that could go it, it could be really good and it could also seem forced and I just I think that's an interesting he's taking an interesting approach to it and he's 
kind of an interesting undertaking. We'll see how it turns out. I feel the same way, and I think I have a unique, or not maybe a unique, I think I have a very similar perspective on this to a lot of people. I saw Split back in 2017. Is it 2017? Did I? Yeah. When it came out. I think it said 2016 earlier, but it's 2017. I have similar perspective to most people, because I saw this movie when it came out in 2017, and... Uh, watched until the end and saw suddenly out of nowhere saw Bruce Willis um, in the post credit scene and was like, what What does that have to do with anything at all? And it turns out that it, he Shyamalan decided to tie this movie, the tie split back with Unbreakable. And, um, you know, I didn't know anything about that before. And uh, now I'm really, really intrigued by Glass. Neither of us, I, I have not seen Unbreakable either. Definitely want to see it, plan on watching it before Glass comes out. And, um, you know, Split, I thought, was really, really good. McAvoy itself, he just drives that movie. Although Anna Taylor-Joy is really good, too, as the as the uh, main protagonist. But, I mean, James McAvoy playing this guy with, like, nine different characters in his head and going through all of them so seamlessly is really, really impressive acting. And I'm excited to see him probably do that again in this one, uh, especially in sort of like a, another psychiatrist setting because the first one very much has a lot of psychiatrist settings and him sort of the different people in his head discussing things with the psychiatrist. It's just really intriguing to me. And um, a lot of people describe Unbreakable as a superhero movie, so it'll be interesting to see the horror elements of Split be combined with sort of the superhero-esque elements of Unbreakable. I'm just excited. I, I really don't know what to expect. Yeah, I mean, I... You know, I know what to expect even less than you do. Um, you know, Shyamalan has had some hits and some misses over the years. You know, The Sixth Sense, just a phenomenal really movie. Really good movie. The Last Airbender, yikes. Not so much. Um, After right. Earth, not so yikes. much. Right. So, you know, it, and I think Split was, a lot of people said, was kind of him getting back to form and coming back to, you know, what makes his filmmaking really good. Mm-hmm. And I Low hope, budget, tense. Right. Sort of thriller movies, right. yeah. And I hope he can come back to that in Glass. And I hope that we see that again. You know, like I said, it concerns me. It does, because he doesn't have the best track record. It's true. And, you know, one good movie, taking that and running with it, I don't know. Yeah. I do like that, you know, he included the post credit scene. That makes it seem less forced. It makes it seem like he has it more thought out. Mm-hmm. Then you know, saying and that split is standalone too, right? Yeah, right, his own separate right, entity, right? Um, and you know, I think it's a lot better than you know him saying 10, 15 years down the road saying, "Oh, I want to make more money. I need something to pitch to studios. I'm gonna, you know, merge these two franchises with big actors and just go with it and bring home the bacon." I don't think that's what he's doing. I think that he really wants to do this for the sake of the story, um, and I hope that shows through. Me too. We probably don't have that much longer to to wait on some sort of trailer dropping on it. They're certainly filming right now, as we're seeing from the photos coming from sets and whatnot, and uh, released from from the studios itself. But it will not be until January 18th of 2019 that we'll be able to see Glass in theaters. The next piece of news is about a director being attached to the new RoboCop reboot, Neil Blomkamp, who directed District 9 and Elysium and Chappie apparently has reportedly agreed to uh, be directing RoboCop Returns. It's being written by a guy who's written an upcoming Terminator movie and an upcoming Green Lantern Corps movie. Um, And apparently Blumkamp is a big fan of the OG RoboCop, the 1987 movie about 
um, a half man, half machine cop who's patrolling the streets of Detroit, stopping and fighting crime. Uh, so, you know, Blomkamp certainly has a very interesting and unique sci-fi style, which is why this news intrigues me. Yeah, he does. Um, and, you know, I like that he really he really likes the the original. And I think, you know, I hope that that shows through. I hope that shows through in his filmmaking. I think it will. I think that, you know, someone, like I just said with Shyamalan, someone who loves the story that they're directing is going to make a better movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that if he loves the story... He's going to really try and keep it true to that. He's not going to be like, oh, and this would be cool if RoboCop could do that. Someone, you know, if someone said it, he'd be like, no, that's not canon. That's not in line with the universe. That's not whatever. And I think that, you know, I, I think that that'll just, that'll make a better film overall. For um, sure. You know, he has, for the most part, he has the resume. Elysium, yeah, you know, I haven't seen it because it got very mixed reviews. Chappie looked good, had pretty good casting. Also, also mixed reviews. Yeah, pretty lukewarm from the critics. District Nine is great. It's phenomenal. It's 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 interesting that one right. of his first films was has been the high watermark for his career so far. Right. But in terms of visuals and everything else that he's done with sci-fi, it's been the visuals and the sci-fi elements for these stories seem to have been been very good. We'll see if the storytelling actually yeah. comes through on this. Right. Well, and yeah, you know, the sci-fi is clearly there. Like you said, and I think that for RoboCop, that's what you need. Like that's that's if you don't have the sci-fi, nothing else is gonna come is gonna come into place. But you know he has a sci-fi. He's got that on his resume. Absolutely, can he make a good movie with it? We will see. We'll see. It hasn't been that long since a RoboCop reboot. There was one in the early two thousand tens, maybe. I think it was, it was 2014. Yeah, it was Joel Kenneman, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. And uh, did not do very well, obviously, since they're already planning on rebooting it. But uh, Again, and right. so because this is just early directing uh, director news with Blumkamp being attached, there's no release date for RoboCop Returns at all. Just uh, just murmurs out there, but interesting news nonetheless. Um, moving on, uh, Joaquin Phoenix officially announced uh, has officially been announced as the Joker in the upcoming standalone film. It's completely separate from DC's existing universe. You know, he's not being played by Jared Leto. Um, and it's a it's an entirely self-contained story. No, you know, no tie-ins, no, presumably probably not a sequel, but we'll see. Um, it's directed by Todd Phillips, who directed the Hangover trilogy, um, and who described the script as a gritty character study. Some speculation that it might be rated R and, um, you know, kind of a lower-budget, you know, like you said, grittier take on the story. Um, and Frances McDormand uh, was asked to be the Joker's mom and turned it down. Uh, but, you know, that kind of gives us a direction of where they might be trying to go with it. And the fact that the Joker's mom is even going to be in the movie, which is interesting. Playing a big part. And it, it, it's right. supposed to be an origin story, too. Not, right. I, we presume it's some sort of origin story along with... Um, along with just a single character study. Right. So. Which is interesting that Joaquin Phoenix would star in an origin story because he's not young. No. He's not young at all. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see kind of the the route that it takes because of that. Um, and, you know, because given, especially given the, you know, how interesting and how odd his career has been up to this point with, you know, when he, like, retired from acting and then it was, like, for a documentary and I don't really know what the whole deal with that is. I kind of tried to figure it out, but it just confused me because I was 
pretty young at the time when it actually all happened. An odd career um, as a whole, but definitely right. some really, really, really nice good highlights. Yeah. Gladiator, he's fantastic. Walk the Line. Walk the Line is fantastic, Johnny Cash. Yeah. Right? Um, I mean, those are the two highlights that come to mind. More recently, Her and The Master, also pretty good movie or well-reviewed movies, and especially with um, especially with accolades towards his acting. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm curious to how they'll do that as well. I mean, I'm I'm less interested in the specific details right now as well, and more interested in the project as a whole. I think it's odd that it's going to be totally separate from the DC universe as it is right now, like not connected to Suicide Squad, not connected to any sort of ju- the Justice League stuff. I mean, it's just weird to me that I mean, since we have seen Marvel do their cinematic universe and we're seeing dc sort of get theirs going it's interesting to me that they're doing this exact same character that they've already established in their universe as a different actor uh, potentially a completely different take on it like I, I'm, I'm curious to just see how that's gonna fit in i think the, i mean the market is there people love the character of the joker mm-hmm. and uh, it well always and people makes... did not love jared leto's take on the joker that's right yeah yeah, yeah. that's a good point um, and you know it always makes it always makes news when somebody is playing the joker because it's such a like sort of twisted and tormented character or or part so i well, think and, it'll be you know um, especially after heath ledger right and, yeah absolutely know, the way that the the toll that that character had on him and yeah, you know what? What it's almost like watching a car crash. I think that, you right. know, to some people, you know, they're almost there's almost an anticipation there, right? Um, with you know how that actor is gonna take it. And Phoenix had some really interesting comments in a in an interview, I believe, with Collider right after the the news came out that this was official that he was going to be in this movie, talking about sort of that character or just playing taking on like a comic book character as a whole, and he says that, you know, the Joker kind of scares him in some ways because mm-hmm. it's such a, like, a twisted or just, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's such a messed up human. It'll be really interesting to see how he does it and um, sort of what this movie is even going to is even gonna look like. There are a lot of questions still surrounding it, but the fact that they've picked him to be him, I think, is a great pick because he is, he is, Joaquin Phoenix is, is, seems to be one of the few method actors really still left in the industry, yeah. and I could see him nailing this part yep i can too we'll see what the direction is like though i mean the rest of the you know if the rest of the tone of the movie isn't isn't is there weird right I, right there are a lot of there are a lot of questions still right. but this this alone and the fact that they were trying to even get francis mcdormand who is yeah. fantastic right in her own right as his mom shows that they're gunning for like another a-list actor to be well yes be in the movie that's with true him. and we haven't even addressed the fact that the hangover director is gonna direct it yeah which we don't have a whole lot of time to even really touch on that. But, but some questions. Right. Definitely some questions. Um, obviously pretty far out. They, you know, they only just cast the Leah role. Um, so, you know, we'll have news, trailers, who knows, in the coming years. Certainly something to keep an eye on, though. Right. Uh, that, um, that, it, yeah. that was probably the biggest news of, of the past yeah. two weeks, for sure. Absolutely. Um, in other DC news, the some, some pictures from Aquaman, the upcoming Aquaman movie, were released. Um, they show... Jimon Hansu um, as the Fisherman King, along with some plot, uh, said Collider, he's being visited by King Orm, played by Patrick Wilson, to assist in starting a war against the surface surface world, which is full of ocean-polluting jerks. I can confirm the surface world is full of ocean-polluting jerks. (laughs) Um, And I also can confirm that Jimon Hansu looks pretty badass as the Fisherman King. It's, you know, it's, it's, 
it's a cool it's a cool picture. It's the you know the whole makeup of the character is cool. I don't really he's know. Very, he's very fishman looking. He is no very fishman looking. You can see in the background some of the other uh, people who look to be the same species have tails. Um, he's wearing a lot of gold armor. Wearing yeah. this, uh, he's, he's got, holding this really big trident. Dude like, looks like a king. Yeah. Um, and you know I don't know a whole lot about Aquaman lore. Or DC lore? Me neither. <laughs> Apparently, the Fisherman King is uh, one of the rulers of the Seven Kingdoms of Atlantis, um, all of which Aquaman helps protect in some ways. And I believe Patrick Wilson's character is trying to, as you said, start a war with, with Earth, and okay. Aquaman is not about that. These uh, these images were an exclusive first look through Entertainment Weekly. There have been a, oh, okay. a few that have been out for a couple weeks. But um, the set with Jimon Hansu in it are, are brand new, and I think they're, you know, I think they're very interesting. They're not showing us anything too different from what I've already seen and thought about Aquaman. Um, you know, Momoa looks fairly legit, still covered in in the tats that he had in uh, Justice League. Amber Heard as his sort of sidekick love interest with bright red hair. She's looking very mermaidish. His wife. Is it? Is she really his wife? Yeah, pretty pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's James Wan directing is still very curious to me. Yeah, kind of excited about that in some yeah. ways since he's known for his horror. But it looks sort of sort of dark in some ways, very very underwater tones from these photos. You know, we'll we'll need to wait on a trailer to see what the tone of the movie is going to be like as a whole. But this also stars you know Jason Momoa, Amber Heard, um, Nicole Kidman, and Willem Dafoe, and uh, we should get that trailer pretty soon because it's expected um, December twenty first. Let's move on to the trailers that we have for this week. The first trailer that we're going to talk about <laughs> is one that I've been very yeah. excited to talk about for the last few days since it's come out. Yates, do you want to do you want to fill the people in? I would love to fill the people in. So this movie is titled Mary Queen of Scots, and it stars Sour Shit Now. Swarsh, no, Saoirse Ronan, Saoirse Ronan. <laughs> and uh, Margot Robbie. It's set in the mid-1500s and explores the intriguing life of Mary Stewart, played by Ronan, who became the Queen of Scotland at 18 years old. The movie appears to focus on the relationship with her and her cousin, uh, Queen Elizabeth of England I, played by Margot Robbie, as they try to rule as strong women together instead of with the men surrounding them. But their relationship eventually dissolves into rivalry and complications to the point where Mary challenges Elizabeth for the throne of England. I am so excited by this trailer, Yates. It is... It's great. Exactly what I'm sort of looking for for a period piece, but also for such an interesting person as Mary, Queen of Scots. She led such such a... bizarre life in some ways that I didn't even know about until this trailer came I I've always heard about her but I didn't know about it. I didn't want to go look it up until this trailer came out and um I was so into it just from the music from the dialogue it's it's very tense in some ways while showing the like the beauty of Scotland England and um and just kind of showing off the period piece that it's going to be going for as a whole with the costumes and the the makeup and hair look amazing. It, it it certainly is not holding back in budget. Um, and it's not you know it's not holding back in. It's going to be a lot of really intense, you know, acting and really good. You're really going to get to see these two, you know, actresses who have already shown that they are great and they're really really good, 
really go head to head and both really be able to show the range of their talent. And it looks like it looks like there's gonna be some action, some violence. You know, like you said, costumes, makeup, sets, locations. It looks great. It looks like a huge, just like epic. It's aiming film. to hit all the marks. Yeah, it's gonna. It, it looks like it'll hit all the marks. It looks like it'll be tense and exciting and just ah, I'm just very very pumped about this movie. <laughs> High mark for the trailer is when Mary and Queen Elizabeth are talking in sort of a stable. And um, Mary is just gonna is going off on Elizabeth, and Elizabeth goes, "Watch your tone," or if something of that ilk. And Mary drops the "I will not be scolded by my inferior" line. I mean, that is that is intense. And Saoirse Ronan just delivers it with a powerful just hit. Oh, I'm so excited! If you missed this trailer this week, go and watch it. It's like, super. It, you know, if you think, oh, you know, it's a period piece, 1500s, like whatever, or probably not going to be into it, you're probably wrong. <laughs> Go check it out. It looks really, really, really great. Kind of Oscar baitish, um, I, but I can't imagine I hope that, so. these two, yeah, that these two <laughs> <Right>. actresses are <laughs> not giving it their all to try and get some sort of award out of this. And uh, they both look so great. I'm also, this is a personal pleasure thing here. I've loved Saoirse Ronan from the first time I saw her in Grand Budapest Hotel. And I loved her accent then. She was jumped out to a lot of people. Maybe people hadn't heard of her before. Uh, she was in Lady Bird this past year. She won the won the Oscar for her role in that. But she plays an American. It's so great to see her in a movie that looks like it's going to get a lot of buzz and a lot of attention. Back with her original accent well, because and, it's so great. And don't forget, she was in Brooklyn too. She was in Brooklyn. Um, where I, she was Irish, yes, I believe, and yeah. not Scottish. But you know, two Americans. Right, and that right. that movie wasn't that movie wasn't that big. Lady Bird, no, was, Lady Bird wasn't that big either. I think just they both the, got a lot of awards buzz. Right, yeah, right. yeah, that's yeah. exactly. So you know, it. among so, people who follow that, they those are both names that they would know. But among the general public, not not, so not much. necessarily. Um, Mary Queen of Scots is expected December seventh, twenty eighteen, and we are ready. We are looking forward to it. So the next trailer that we want to talk about is one that. Has been out for a little while, but Yates just saw when he when he saw Ant Man and the Wasp this past yep. weekend. Uh, do you want to talk about what the trailer is, or what you want to talk about the movie and what your initial yeah. reaction was? So the movie, the IMDb synopsis, uh, the movie's called Axel. Uh, it is yeah. So the IMDb synopsis is Axel is a top secret robotic dog who develops a special friendship with Miles, and will go to any length to protect his new companion. Um, that's a pretty apt summary. Basically, it opens up. Miles is riding his dirt bike. He finds Axel, and teenage uh, emotion porn ensues. Basically. In some ways, yeah. yeah. So um, <laughs> I'm happy you showed me this trailer because let's just go ahead and say it. It doesn't look very good. Actually, it looks very bad. Yeah, I was gonna, it doesn't look very good. It doesn't as, look uh, good at all. Yeah, um, but looks- I'm happy you showed me this trailer just because it's – it's it's good to see every now and then. Yeah. And we're about to be hitting we're about to be hitting the stride where it's like the end of the summer leading into September movies. Yeah. And, you know, we're getting a, a the trailer's been out for a little bit, but the fact that we have just seen this now uh not long before it's going to be coming out is a little concerning. Um uh, there there are a lot of things that are that are a little concerning. One one thing that I do like about the trailer. I'm going to go ahead and get this out of the way. Mm-hmm. The robot dog itself looks pretty cool. It looks cool. It's it looks for the most part Pretty well animated. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, interesting concept. Just imagine like 
just big old dog, sort of Rottweiler shape, but completely completely metal. He's got blue eyes and then sort of yeah, whirring yeah. teeth. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's a cool looking dog. Um, well, the rest, and just beyond that, it has a lot of different kind of components that they talk about. Yeah, um, they say he's a weapon system. Yeah, he's a weapon system. He shows show some like rockets in his, I, I don't know, body somewhere. Right, <laughs> and the kid that finds him pairs with him through a key, like puts his thumb on something and it pairs him with the dog. It's I don't like, know how like the Avatar. dog. Yeah, I don't know how the dog doesn't just like attack him straight away uh, before he does that, but it is. It will, the movie will tell, right. I suppose. <laughs> you gotta see the movie. Um, the rest of the CGI in the trailer, like all the computer stuff that we see, all the graphics about the dog and whatnot there, it looks rough. Um, you know, it's from a pretty... It, it looks like it's a low-budget movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know if it looks rough. It just looks super basic. Yeah. Like, not, not rendered all the way, which, yeah, I mean, I guess it's rough. Yeah. But, yeah. And as you said, the story... The story itself, it's a pretty simple summary. Boy finds strange dog. They become buddies, has to protect the dog from yeah. the military coming after them. You know, it's one that we've seen a gazillion times before in some form or another. And so that's that's a little cheesy enough, but oh my gosh, all the dialogue the in the trailer is bad. so bad. Honestly, the whole vibe to me, like the whole just kind of tone of the trailer and what it seems like the tone of the movie will be seems kind of cheesy. It seems almost, it almost like the first thing I thought about was like the new Power Rangers that just came out. It kind of had the same sort of like aesthetic, I guess, mm. but not not in a good way. Yeah, like that's I think not that's, that's not a compliment to the to to Axel or the Power pretty, Rangers. Right? Movie. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's pretty accurate. Yeah. Another red flag is that I don't know anybody in this movie. The only person that I know is Becky G, like the pop star. Well, who has who's one hit wonder? Yeah, and uh, Thomas Jane, who's been in a couple things. I don't even I don't even know him. Like he I, was, he's not a big enough name for me to recognize. He was the original Punisher, I think. Yeah, or he was the guy the Punisher fought. <laughs> that's fought. that's not that big of a deal. And uh, the yeah. main actor, like the boy who pairs with Axel, oh my gosh, his lines are yikes bad. He delivers yeah. them. He delivers these cheesy lines with like the acting talent of a cardboard cutout. Yeah. Like it is. It is rough. I mean, there are just this trailer has a lot of cringeworthy moments. There's one point where the the kid. Oh, we didn't even mention. Did we mention that he's like a motorcyclist? He just is big oh, into yeah, dirt yeah. biking. Yeah, and BMX. He yeah, and then he right no. Keep, he keep ramps going. off the dog's back at one point. Yeah, he the, ramps off well, the in, in metal the, dog's back. Yeah, to the, do, the dog like locks up, and it's like it's like in uh, I think Pacific Rim where like all the like spines lock into place. Yeah, for, like, extra support. It's like that. But then he uses the dog as a ramp, and then they like run off away from the government. <laughs> another together. another high low point in this trailer for me is when the guy, the military guys who are trying to get Axel back, he he sees like Axel's claw shreds or whatever, like he, claw marks on a wall, and he says, "Launch the drones." And they send off an army of drones to go and try and stop this dog. And he does it with this music in the background that's like super upbeat pop music. Yeah. That's something else that I don't get is it's, like. It's the most basic like song you oh, ever hear. It's super. <laughs> it, well, it doesn't match with anything that happens in the last parts yeah. of the trailer. It's all supposed to be these action scenes, these chase scenes. And instead, you're getting this like super upbeat pop music, like uplifting and like like it's from like a John Green movie, right? Or something, right? Right. Yeah. But <laughs> it's when it's one of these military guys are supposed to be saying these threatening things <laughs> to like get the dog, and I don't know. It seems like it's completely. 
I don't want to say uh, tone deaf isn't the right phrase, but it seems like it takes itself way too seriously. Yeah. For a movie that is not going to be good. Yeah. Um, um, Axel comes out on August 24th, 2018. So right at the end of the summer movies. Yeah. Well, look, feels like a September movie. It but, feels uh, like a September right, movie. But, uh, but we'll it see. isn't. So we'll see on August 24th. I suppose so. I got to say, it's not a movie that I'm inspired to actually see yeah, at all. No, me, me, me neither. But if, if it was on and I was channel surfing, I would turn the TV off. Yes. <laughs> so who knows yeah. what will happen. But August 24th, Axel. The final trailer we're talking about this week is uh, for a movie that's already had some teasers out and uh, nothing that we've talked about yet. But this is the first full trailer sort of releasing more details about the plot of the movie. And that is A Simple Favor. It's a movie directed by Paul Feig, who directed The Heat and Spy, both starring uh, Melissa McCarthy. Uh, but this movie is going to be starring Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick as the two uh, the two main characters. Pretty much, uh, A Simple Favor centers around the character of Stephanie, played by Anna Kendrick, who is a mommy vlogger seeking to uncover the truth behind her best friend Emily's sudden disappearance from their small town, Emily being played by Lively. I'm really intrigued by this movie, have been since they released the teaser for it. I've enjoyed their marketing because it's very sort of spy-esque or very thriller-esque. I've liked the aesthetic so far of both of the trailer, uh, like both the teaser and the trailer that they just released. And the trailer really doesn't give that much away about the story, which is nice. It just shows the intrigue around where the heck did Blake Lively's character go. And um, and it's all sort of boils down to Blake Lively's character asking Kendrick for a favor and then Kendrick showing up to Blake Lively's house and she's gone. And it turns out that Kendrick might not know that much about her best friend after all and stuff like that. And chaos ensues. So I'm really intrigued by this trailer, Yates. And I think when we watched this together, it was your first time hearing about this mm-hmm. movie. What did you think? Um, Interested? Not necessarily excited you know i think that i would put this movie in the range of uh i'm bored on a saturday night oh this just came out why not like it's not something i would go out of my way to see this trailer you know it didn't you know grab my attention and you know hang on to it for dear life and couldn't let it go and like you know i mean but i'm i'm intrigued i definitely think it it looks interesting these are two great actresses um you know, the, the director choice is interesting. It is. Um, also, yeah, you know, yeah, it's definitely interesting. The two movies we mentioned are Melissa McCarthy movies, which if you've seen a Melissa McCarthy movie and just heard the description of this movie, they are very different. Um, and it's a September movie. It is a September so, movie. That does knows? have me uh, right. That does have um, me sort of questioning it. But, you know, I agree. I, I don't know what's going to happen in this movie. The trailer, the, the, you know, the editing on the trailer, the trailer and everything is great. Um, it's a very interesting idea. I worry they might start to get into, you know, overdramatic and to the point where it's kind of corny and cheesy. But, you know, like I said, I love these actresses. I don't, I, I don't expect that by any means. Um, and I think the people who do go, who do go and see it will enjoy it. Probably. I don't think that it's, you know, going to rock their world or be a lot of people's like, you know, oh, this is the best film in 2018 or anything like that. It'll be good. The most comparable film to it is Gone Girl, I think. And this sort of looks like a lo- uh, like yeah. a discount Gone Girl in some ways. Yeah. This sort of story has been done before. It's not particularly original, but I'm a sucker for mysteries like this, mystery thrillers like this. Well, that's um, and especially if they play out the mystery well. And it, it really, because, you know, some mystery movies you see within 
15 minutes, you're like, oh, I know exactly what's going to happen, and you're right. Right, and yeah. And so if that happens in this movie, you know, it's it's not going to be interesting or fun. But if they really do play out the mystery w- well with Anna Kendrick, you know, really solving it and finding out different aspects of her life, and, you know, they even they talk in the um, trailers like, oh, you don't want to go digging around in her past and, like, things like that. And if they really, you know, if they find a way to make that really hit home, then yeah, I, I I think that I think that it could be really good if they really do the mystery well. As long as they avoid really far reaching things, like she turns out that she used to be like KGB or some some right. some, some something really right. silly like that, then I am I'm all aboard. Right. You know, I, I'm I'm all aboard for this. So <laughs> that would um, be that would be quite quite a turn. You know, so I yeah, I just I want to make sure oh, I don't want to make sure anything. I right. you know I feel like this movie would go wrong, or what makes this movie a September movie is if it decides to add some sort of like really crazy twist or something that just way overreaches its its boundaries. It's just too much. Yeah, that, yeah. that ends up being too much. Right. So, you know, uh, for, for a movie that I did not know very much about at all until I saw the teaser, and then I just have been following because I've been a fan of the aesthetics of both the teaser and the trailer, sign me up. Yep. But if the story crumbles, then then everything else it, is going to crumble with yep. it. I totally agree. Um, like we said, September movie is September 14th. Um, so we don't have a whole long... Whole, whole lot of time, about two months to wait to see how it turns out. It's true, to figure out what the simple favor is. Some honorable mention trailers this week that we didn't have time to talk about, but we suggest people go check out. On the Basis of Sex just came out this week, uh, very recently. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg yep. sort of biopic starring Felicity Jones. Should be pretty interesting. Interesting. Felicity Jones, you know, she looks like she'll do a good job. She really nails, like, the Ruth Bader Ginsburg voice, um, which is impressive. I I thought it was pretty impressive. Um, so yeah, it looks it looks interesting. Check it out if you're into that sort of thing. The I other know one, I am. yeah, the other one that I've definitely uh, enjoyed seeing the trailer for is Colette, a movie about a ghost writing author, or it's about a woman who ghost writes under her author husband's name, but then her book blows up, and then she sort of wants to write her own way instead of under his name. Looks interesting to me. Kira Knightley as the lead in that, and uh, she's gotten fairly good buzz from that recently. I've been a Kira Knightley fan since, in terms of in terms of dramatic acting, since um, the Imitation Game. So it looks sort of a sort of a similar movie to that in in that vein. So check out the Colette trailer too if you have time. Yeah, uh, absolutely. On to premiere. We had a handful of movies premiere this week, uh, mainly Hotel Transylvania 3 and Skyscraper. Both did pretty well at the box office, um, as expected. Skyscraper, I didn't know this yet. That has a $125 million budget. That's a lot of Who money. had that idea? I don't know. Maybe that's just <laughs> how much you have to pay in order to get Dwayne The Rock Johnson right. yeah, I, in movies yeah. now. Um, but it made $25 million in its first weekend, so maybe it'll make it back. Maybe it'll do better overseas. But yeah, Hotel Transylvania 3 with the big opening weekend taking the top spot at the box office. Ant-Man and the Wasp still doing really well after its big opening uh, last week, taking number two, dragging in uh, $28 million in its second weekend. That's pretty good. That's that's still pretty good. And uh, the piece of news that stood out to me from the box office is that Incredibles 2 just became the first animated movie ever to break $500 million at the domestic box office. That's pretty freaking amazing. That's I mean, a it, lot of money. Yeah, well, and if you think about the other animated movies that have come out, like, that's 
Yeah, like that. That's a big deal. I'm pretty sure it surpassed Finding Dory. Like that was the movie that it beat in order to take the spot, which is no slouch because that was another long gap in in Pixar sequels. And I, in my opinion, I always thought that Nemo's sort of a more beloved franchise in The Incredibles in some ways, but people really, really turned out to see Incredibles. And yeah. uh, well, and you know, I think this shows Pixar like the shit works. Like <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I expect that we will be getting more of these in the coming future. Yep, yep. Uh, this upcoming weekend is going to be releasing a whole bunch of sequels, a whole bunch of sequels, mainly Mamma Mia 2 or Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. But we also have The Equalizer 2 starring Denzel Washington, just him reprising his role as a guy with a gun, and Unfriended 2, Dark Web, which is just some sort of like internet found footage movie. <sighs> Yeah. Oh, sorry. What? Yeah, that that pretty much sums it up. Uh, the weekend after is going to be Mission Impossible Fallout, the sixth installment of the Mission Impossible franchise, and the animated Teen Titans Go movie, which I had no idea was coming out until I saw The Incredibles two. Lucky and, you! And saw it ahead of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I okay. Now that we're getting a third season of Young Justice. I can forgive Teen Titans Go for taking it off the air. Sure. Yeah. I am not that excited about any of the movies coming out this weekend. More excited about Mission Impossible, uh, Fallout. I gotta say, as you know, and maybe some of our listeners who know me personally know, I love ABBA like a lot, like to the point where there have been periods in my life where it has been a problem. Um, I'm pretty fucking excited <laughs> about that. <laughs> I'm. I'm, I'm yeah, I, I I hate that that's not an exaggeration, but um, yeah, I really like ABBA. I really love the first Mamma Mia. Me too. I'm going to watch it this week. I'm going to go see the second one as early next week as I can because I know I won't be able to this weekend. But yeah, the other ones, I don't care about. Mission Impossible 6 was really good. Yeah. You know, Henry Cavill you know, freaking reloading his arms oh, or whatever. Oh, man, yeah, going after Tom <laughs> Cruise. Um, I, I loved the first Mamma Mia movie and... I got to say, Yates, I really don't care about the second one. As much as it hurts me, I think the title really just sums it up. Here we go again. Another Hollywood sequel uh, for a movie that uh, that no one really needed a sequel for. And it's a story that doesn't... Speak for yourself. It's a story that doesn't seem like it needs to be told. Like, we already understood that Meryl Streep's mom character was very independent, had to go through some journeys in order to become very independent. Like, I don't know... I don't need to know how she got to the island itself. And, you know, do you think they're going to do different ABBA songs? Like, that's... uh, I'm really curious to what they're going to do for the movie. They'll probably do Mamma Mia again, but other than that, I hope that... There are so many ABBA songs that we haven't gotten yet. I don't know. It feels very unnecessary to me. It's not one that I uh, I plan on watching in theaters, as much as it hurts me to say. I hope it proves me wrong. I hope the critic yeah, re- me the, too. the reviews are great. I hope you enjoy it and all other Mamma Mia just fans out there enjoy it. I love the first movie. I plan on watching it again soon just because I'm in the spirit of it with the new movie coming out. But I just don't feel the need to see the second one. All right. I can tell you're hurt <laughs> by that. I just... If I if I crack open the lid just a little bit, it's all gonna come out. So let's just <laughs> oh, move <man>. on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, this week 
Captain Marvel, uh, Brie Larson posted on Twitter, tweeted, posted on Instagram, um, that it completed filming. Um, and it also came out this week news that in the movie, Samuel L. Jackson and Clark Gregg will be uh, digitally de-aged um, for their character for their 1980s versions of their characters, Nick Fury and Agent Coulson. Um, so our our discussion question for this week is, you know, what's kind of the place of this in um, what's the place of this in modern cinema? You know, taking into account the other movies that have done it, like in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 with Kurt Russell um, in the beginning and uh, most notably and kind of really the first time I really saw this discussion being had um, with Grand Moff Tarkin originally played by Peter Cushing and Princess Leia originally played by of course the late Carrie Fisher in um, Rogue One right in Rogue One and them actually having different actors um, for their facial reconstruction technology which I would imagine is um, probably a lot more uh, difficult and invasive than what Captain Marvel's doing. Common theme between all three of those movies. Disney. They're all Disney. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of anybody else that's done that yet, which is interesting. Yeah, it, interesting, but not super surprising to me, yeah. given the resources that Disney has, the massive resources that I think not a lot of other, um, you know, studios have. You know, Disney is a huge conglomerate of, I, I can't even count how many um, different you know production companies, studios, whatever at this point, and given all the people that work under that general umbrella, I think that they would be the most likely to have access to the most cutting edge technology. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, the question is, is this good? Is this bad? A lot of people with Princess Leia were saying, um, especially since Carrie Fisher died just a couple of days after that movie came out. You know, is this obtrusive? Is this, you know, is it weird? Is it whatever? Um, so, you know, what do you think? I am intrigued by this technology and just by this sort of phenomenon in some ways. I don't really know what inspired them to do this other than maybe people would get upset if they started recasting characters. I mean, we already saw a huge backlash from Han Solo being recast in his movie. And uh, you got to wonder if... Yeah, but well, I, I, it is it is two different things, but yeah, and especially since you know the ones in Rogue One and even in Guardians of the Galaxy two with young Kurt Russell, it was very short and and fairly small scenes. Talk, uh, Grandma Tarkin in Rogue One was definitely more present, but the Carrie yeah, Fisher cameo yeah, I, was yeah. that's what it was. Well, it was and a even cameo. with Grandma Tarkin, I think that you're still right. It was pretty, um, yeah. I mean, he wasn't he was an important character, but I wouldn't say he was a major character. Um, and you know, I think that with Solo, which you mentioned. You know, the Star Wars fan base is just... Rabid in some ways. batshit shit crazy, sure. um, frankly. And I think you have to take that into account. But I'm, I'm still intrigued by this technology. Like, I wonder if it's going to turn into something that, you know, they don't ever end up recasting people. They just sort of use CGI to, to go over the other actors' faces that are actually delivering the lines, if that helps, like, quell some backlash or anything like that. I mean, I don't know. I don't... I personally don't find it invasive, but I'm not the one who's got the, the green yeah. screen dots on my face, and I'm not right. the one who's seeing my face on somebody else's body. So, you know, I can't really speak to that. Um, but in general, I think the technology is cool. I loved when they did it in Rogue One. I loved when they did it uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I'll be interested to see how they do it for Nick Fury and Agent Coulson in Captain Marvel because, I mean, we don't really know what, what role they'll play 
Right. We can just we I, I would assume Nick Fury and uh, will at the very least will have a pretty big role. Yeah, I I can't imagine that Coulson has a huge role because you know it's, he wasn't super old in uh, the 2010 Avengers. I can't imagine that you know 30 years prior. Well, he's got to be pretty down low at Shield. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who knows? But I mean, that's you know that's speculation, which is a whole other animal that we don't need to. So I don't personally dislike this method. I just think <clears> it's so early that it's really tough to tell where it's going to go from here. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Well, I'm, you know, in going back to Rogue One, um, I think that with uh, Peter Cushing's reconstruction in particular, you kind of get into a place where you're talking about the uncanny valley of, you know, when it's so close to being real, but it's not real, so it's weird and creepy. It um, took me a little bit watching Rogue One to figure out that it was CGI because I didn't know going in that he was going to be there. I didn't yeah. really do all that much yeah. research. And... It took me like a probably halfway through that first scene where you see him to realize mm-hmm. that he was CGI just because it was pretty legit. Right. Well, yeah. It, well, it is. It is pretty legit. But watching, I think I've seen Rogue One maybe four times now, and you know, watching it again, it's not clearly not perfect. It's not seamless. No, it's not seamless. And I think that, you know, to me, it almost takes me out of the movie a little bit. In that case, I'm not saying that. You know, I don't know how the technology has improved in the almost two years since that you know, will be over two years by the time Captain Marvel comes out or whatever. But in that instance, I was impressed, but it wasn't perfect. And I think that in order to do something like that, especially for the kind of major character that Nick Fury is probably going to be, I think that, you know, you, you need to really put the time and effort into it into making it really, really good. I think that with Kurt Russell, I watched that movie again maybe a month or so ago. I think they got pretty close. I think Kurt Russell's way better. And I think part of that is with that, you don't have to completely reconstruct facial structure and everything like that. You're That's just right. kind of changing the skin. That's right. On, yeah. Um, it, that, which, that, which changes a lot. Yeah. I think. Um, Something that we'll definitely be able to tell in this one since obviously. Samuel Jackson and Clark Gregg are still alive. I I'm, I'm right. inter- I think that's right. something else that I right. I meant to bring up is that it definitely makes a difference when you still have the actual person's face to work with. Right. Um, I'm sure they might not mind it all that much. I'm sure it's cool for them to sort of see yeah. what their younger selves look like well, again. True, and you know they're getting paid a lot of money for it. Um, I don't a whole know. Lot. Right. Um, I don't know how Peter Cushing's family felt about it or anything like that. If I saw my dad after his death reconstructed like that that would wake me out. And so, you know, I think that there you get into a whole argument of, you know, is this okay? Is this, you, you, you get what I'm saying? You know, is is this a good thing to do or sure. is it a bad thing to do? Regardless of how good it is, just from a, you know, good, bad, how do the families feel? Things like that yeah. perspective yeah. in honoring someone who has passed away's memory. Yeah. Um, which, you know, again, in this scenario with Captain Marvel, that's not something we have to worry about. Um, but I think that as this technology becomes better and better and better... It's something we're definitely going to have to consider. In increasing amounts, probably. I'm just not sure. I'm kind of, I'm kind of with you. I think it would weird me out, certainly, if I was related to the person that was being reconstructed. But, you know, I think there are a lot of questions that will still be had here since it's a very early practice. And as you said, the technology is really just getting started. Yeah. The exponential growth of technology in general is going to change a whole lot of things in the movie-making business and as we go next, on, as it already has. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Avatar wasn't all that long ago, and now's, now we're freaking CGIing people's faces right. back onto themselves yeah. or back onto other people. And, That's and, a huge deal. Yeah, and the stuff they did in Avatar now, 
you know, it's cool. It was groundbreaking at the time. But it doesn't look as good. It's a, well, yeah, it doesn't look as good, and it's not as it's not as out of the ordinary. Yeah, and yeah, I think that really, what this technology, the problem it's going to face is when do you go too far with it? Sure. And how you take it too far. I think that how good it's going to be in three, four years, not going to be an issue. I think it'll they'll pretty much figure it out to have it be seamless. At least the big studios. Um, but you know what what what's the line, and when do you cross that? Rogue One, there's an argument that they crossed it. I'm not going to, you know, I've kind of already touched on that, touched on the sides. I'm not going to get into it. I don't really have much of an opinion. Here, they're alive. They, you know, they obviously want to do it. Yeah. I think that's fine. And if you do it well, that's great. You know, you're, at the end of the day, you're telling a story. What's the best way to tell that story? And this is it. This is it. Yeah. I agree. I think we'll have to find out. Um, we won't have, to, we don't have too long to wait on Captain Marvel. We're, we still, have the majority of the year, but it's coming out March 8th, 2019. As uh, HZ8 said, they just finished shooting this week, which is pretty exciting. We'll probably be seeing some more news coming out of that movie yeah, before too long. news and trailers, and we'll talk about it all. Yates and I both have pretty short what we watched the past two weeks lists, unfortunately. We've both been pretty busy, but we squeezed some time in for some really good movies. But the two that I've watched were Catch Me If You Can, the 2002 movie starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks, directed by Steven Spielberg, also Christopher Walken in that movie. That's a fun movie. Um, you know, as, as I just said, stacked cast and a really, like, creative story about this sort of 19-year-old con man. I love con man movies that are sort of, like, heist-evading-the-law movies like that, and DiCaprio was awesome as that, and Hanks was awesome as the FBI agent trying to track him down. So I really liked that one, despite it being a, a fairly older movie. And I watched It, finally. Finally got around to watching It, and uh, really enjoyed it, although it was pretty freaky. I uh, really liked the directing style. You know, there it definitely relies on some jump scares for the horror aspects of it, but the imagery itself was freaky, and it wasn't all, like, music stops, jump scare. It was yeah. it was a good mix of a good mix of sort of horror elements and themes. And there's there is tension through the entire movie, which I like too. Mm-hmm. It is there there's not real any one moment where you where you don't feel like something is amiss. And I like that aspect of it too. So that I think is what sort of makes it stand apart besides it being this, you know, important uh, this sort of cultural phenomenon of a story. Yeah. In some ways. So Happy I finally got to see it. Made me even more excited about the news that we talked about last uh, last episode about the casting yeah. for It Chapter well, and, 2. And I was going to say, you know, I kind of gave my views on It on that, so I'm not really going to rehash it that much. I'm um, pumped. Rehash it that much. I will say Catch Me If You Can has been one of my favorites since I was little. Um, yeah. I mean, it's... Based on a true story, Yeah, too. it's great. Based on a true story. You know, the 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 there, there's, there's so many just little moments in that. That I just love the you know why didn't I concur and um, you know the, the 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 running knock knock joke mm-hmm. in the movie um, calling on Christmas yeah right I mean it's just it's it's really well done Amy Adams um, with braces yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 um, yeah I mean it's 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 really well done it's not you know it's the people aren't gonna be like. This is Steven Spielberg's greatest film. It was never a groundbreaking movie, but right. it was fun to see it's one with both fun. Hanks and DiCaprio. And they're both great in it. Yeah, right. They're both and great. It's, it's it's young DiCaprio. He's still like he's still like a, a little boy kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. I love it. What'd you watch? Uh, I watched um, three movies. I'm going to talk about. 
in no particular order, from worst to best, um, I watched For the Love of the Game, um, starring Kevin Costner and John C. Riley and some other folks. Um, and it's, you know, it's a feel-good baseball movie. And it was about baseball, and it made me feel good. And Kevin Costner so, was... mission accomplished. Yeah, right, mission accomplished. Kevin Costner was better than fine. Um, John C. Riley was not John C. Riley, which was interesting. If you love baseball, see this movie. If you love, you know, epic sweeping romance stories, see this movie. If you don't like either of those things, don't watch this movie. Um, yeah, I mean that's it's it's pretty simple. It didn't it didn't contribute anything to cinema, but it was pretty good. I saw Ant Man and the Wasp, the newest installment in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I was pretty unimpressed. I I would really yeah I it, it didn't do much for me. I you know it was funny enough at parts. Paul Rudd was Paul Rudd. Yeah, he didn't. I wasn't like oh wow that was a really interesting and different performance by Paul Rudd because it wasn't it was Paul Rudd in every Paul Rudd movie that Paul Rudd is in um yeah you know the plot was fine the villain was above average for Marvel below average for like current Marvel um yeah I'm super lukewarm on this movie I don't really have a whole lot to say about it because I just eh. you kind of felt this way about the first Ant-Man too didn't you yeah I did I think that in in here it's all worn out like you know the first Ant-Man was at least new at the time, and now it's just like, it's the same shit. Like, I, I, yeah, it was a good two hours. I don't wish I had that two hours of my life back, but I, I don't, I would say I would watch that movie again if I were channel surfing and nothing else was on, but probably under no other circumstances. I need to see it, and I would like to try and see it in theaters if possible. I, I just yeah. think Marvel movies tend to be better when you're in the theaters. Agreed. Um, I, I personally am excited to see more about Evangeline Lilly, actually her being in the suit and on screen. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see more of Ant-Man getting big. I did but you know. see, but I didn't feel like there was a whole lot of that. And that's just like I didn't feel like that was the crux of the plot. And that's what I wanted to see. Like I wanted to see Ant-Man throw down, and instead I got, you know, 15-minute-long dialogue scenes, and that's fine. But it's not it's not how Marvel movies are marketed. And I didn't feel like, you know, I didn't feel like many of those long dialogue scenes were necessary. So yeah, I mean, I'm lukewarm on it. I've said pretty much all I have to say. Yeah. Now the last movie I saw was the right stuff. And let me tell you, woof, woof, it was really good. It was about three hours and fifteen minutes of really, really American, just Americanness. Which I loved. That's a um, long movie. Holy smokes. I would say maybe three minutes could be cut out of it. Oh, wow. I mean, you finish the movie, and, you're, and I, I can think of the scene, too. Like, I can think of the scene where they could cut three minutes out. But you finish the movie, and you look at your watch, and you're like, I mean, holy shit. It does not feel that long. I mean, they use almost every single second, and they just squeeze everything out of it. I mean, it is great. It is you know, it, it's not even, like, exciting in a thrill ride. It's just really good. Like, it's just, it's a really good, interesting, well-told story. And it's a true story. And it's, you know, incredibly well cast. I mean, I, watching this movie, I could not think of a better cast movie that I've seen. What's the premise? It's about the first seven astronauts um, in the space program. And the first, yeah. So, basically, 
It's about it, it, it is about the space program beginning with Air Force test pilots trying to break the speed of sound in the desert in California through, you know, vetting different pilots in the astronaut recruitment process, training them, beginning to launch different things into space and, you know, kind of the space race with the Russians and then Alan Shepard going into space and then the rest of the astronauts in Mercury 7. Like, that's a lot of stuff. That's a lot. It's happening. Of, a they, lot of history. To right. Fit a into lot of history. Movie. And yeah, they no tell doubt. that whole story. And you get to know, I would say, five. You know, they're called the Mercury Seven, the original seven astronauts. You get to know five of the seven of them, I think, you know, pretty well. And, you know, you get to know their wives. It gives you the historical context and what else is happening in the world at the time. And, you know, it's just, it really tells the story very well. Um, shout out. Who did the best job? Ed Harris, who I everything I see him in, he's so good. He's so good. I'm always upset that he doesn't get more jobs, and, and you know, not that he's struggling for work, but I, he hasn't had any huge roles, and he deserves disagree huge roles. Westworld, he is a okay. He is Haven't an incredibly seen important yet. character in Westworld. And this is a movies podcast, and Westworld is a TV show. I'm just pointing it out. All I'm right. pointing out that he's had a huge role, and he's gotten definite recognition for that. But in general, yeah, for movies, I, I do think he's underappreciated. Yeah. He showed up in The Truman Show, and I was so happy. Yeah. I love yeah. Ed Harris in that That's kind great. of role where he in, just shows up, and you're like, oh, my gosh. And he nails it. He nails it every single time. Snowpiercer, exact same way. He shows up, and he nails it. Um, he plays astronaut um, John Glenn in this movie, and just whew, you know, there's seven astronauts, and they shared the screen. You know, the ones with the big name actors share the screen pretty evenly. Ed Harris, uh, Dennis Quaid, um, Scott Glenn um, is the other person I'm thinking about. You know, they 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 share the screen pretty evenly, but Ed Harris just steals the show. Um, that's with, awesome. Without having a ton of screen time, um, it's great. Highly recommend. Um, the right stuff is good stuff. The right stuff is the right stuff is good stuff. I really enjoyed it. If you have three and a half hours in your evening and want a, just a good, you know, not necessarily mentally or emotionally taxing movie, and you, that you can really enjoy and learn something from, ten out of ten, recommend it one hundred percent. It'll have to be on my list. I love space movies, so yeah. this sounds me too right up my alley. <laughs> That's all we've got for this week's podcast. We'll be back in two weeks to talk about even more news, even more trailers that have come out. Um, until then, if you want to be following up with the news that we're keeping our eye on or the movies that we're watching, you can follow us on our social medias. Yates, you want to plug that for us? Uh, so you can follow me on Letterboxd at Alan underscore Yates 99. You can follow Brighton at Brighton Up 50 on Letterboxd, and you can like our Facebook page at This Podcast is Rated P, and you can follow our Twitter at P for Podcast. Shout out to Ian Evans for our music. Always love the theme. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs>